0: Hi everyone, today I'm joined by Dr. Olivier Hervé, Assistant Project Scientist at UC Santa Cruz. Dr. Hervé is fascinated by high-energy astrophysics and is currently doing research in active galactic nuclei and gamma-ray astrophysics. So, you are an Assistant Project Scientist at UC Santa Cruz. What does that role or job entail?
1: Well, it's it's almost the same work as the assistant professor uh, with a, it's a bit more junior position the The only difference is I'm working in a we call that soft money that i uh, I'm not paid like with a tenure track by the university so in uh, for assistant project or project scientist in general, uh, you need to find most of your own funds which are project based so on my side. Um, I've done six years of postdoc prior to this position in uh, Santa Cruz. And during uh, the last few years, I succeeded in receiving a relatively large amount of money from NASA uh, on my own projects. Uh, and with some money that was left on the team that was enough to, uh, to pay for this, uh, for this job. So this is a job that's going to be renewed every year, every two years, three years, following the amount of money in the team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in the field of astrophysics, what would you say are your main interests? Uh, it's so it's mostly on uh, active galactic nuclei. So, uh, I have several several interests. Uh, it's mostly this and also high energy astrophysics. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So we can discuss about those uh, if if you want. So uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so. So the, the first, first one, yeah, I can, I can discuss about active galactic nuclei just very generally, and then a bit more uh, gamma astrophysics, which is the, the field that I'm working on. So, mm-hmm. so galactic, I, I think you, you've seen the, the picture of the supermassive black hole of uh, our galaxy that just went away yes. a few days ago. So uh, I'm not working on black hole by itself, but I'm working on uh, how they interact with their environment especially is a supermassive one in center of galaxies. Uh, and that's what we call the active galactic nuclei. It's when you have uh, a lot of matter that, are, that is trapped in the gravitational well of a supermassive black hole that form an accretion disk. And for some of them, uh, this accretion disk can be extremely luminous. Actually it can be even more luminous than the full galaxy. Uh, so that's usually when it starts to be extremely bright that, we say it's an active galactic nucleus. And I'm mostly working on the most powerful of these one. Uh, When you have pretty strong accretion disk, you also have uh, jets of uh, relativistic matter that is ejected from uh, close to the black holes. And so you can see these jets that are uh, really huge, that can be larger than the size of the galaxy, actually. uh, That's emitting all wavelengths, emit in radio, optical, infrared, X-ray, and gamma rays. So I'm mostly Mm -hmm. working on developing uh, emission models for this, try to understand how particles are accelerated inside these jets, uh, what the emission processes, and also give a better understanding about the evolution formation of these objects, which is more generally linked to uh, the evolution of supermassive black holes and galaxies. And uh, so the second part uh, that I'm very interested in uh, is uh, gamma ray, generally high energy astrophysics, but mostly gamma ray, uh, very high energy astrophysics. Uh, So right now I'm working with an array of four telescopes in Arizona, the name is Veritas, and we're observing the sky uh, around from 100 giga electron volt up to several tera electron volts, which is the so maximum if you want that you can observe the sky, uh, to give you an order of ideas, it's, it's, it's a kind of the same, uh, energy that are accelerated in, uh, in the CERN, like in a large Hadron collider, uh, well, mm-hmm. so we we're observing the sky in the extremely high energy where, uh, basically we observe everything that is, uh, like explosion, collision, or a massive release of energy. So uh, all all the things that are not quite in the universe. And uh, yeah, for active galactic nuclei, they emit a lot of these gamma rays. So observing uh, with these technologies is is amazing.
0: Could you uh, go into a little bit more detail about these active galactic nuclei and your research in determining some of the features of those jets?
1: Yeah so there, there are several uh, aspects of my research. Um, there is so one that I just mentioned about uh, modeling uh, the emissions so basically we take observation with a lot of instruments that can be radio instruments, uh, optical instruments, space telescopes and try to reconstruct the, the, the we call that the broadband spectrum of the object meaning is we we reconstruct the Uh, the luminosity of the objects in all wavelengths at a given time and we try to this object can vary pretty fast so usually we try to have to coordinate observation with many different observatory especially when there is a flare of this object Uh, and try we can have campaign with like five six seven different observatory of different wavelengths working together with space telescopes ground-based telescopes and try to build. Uh, we call that the spectral energy distribution of this object. So the subject, so the full spectrum over all wavelengths. And mm-hmm. then I, uh, I developed models that going to, uh, to fit this data. So usually you consider that most of the emission from radio to x-rays, mostly a synchrotron emission, is when you have charged particles of uh, high energies. the uh radiate through their interaction to a strong magnetic field inside the jet and then you also have a lot of em- emission in gamma ray that we mostly consider it's a inverse Compton emission is when you have uh these particles the very high energy particle in the jet they collide with uh the photons around and transform these photons from low energy photon to very high energy photons so there's a lot of um it's between particle physics and astrophysics, if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, there is still a lot of uh, objects that we have difficulty to to understand. Uh, and these models are in constant development. There is models mm-hmm. now that consider uh, my model consider only leptonic population, so mostly electrons that are accelerated in the jet. Now we have more and more models considering also protons and all other uh, particles that are in the jet. We still don't know exactly the composition of this, so that that's uh, that's a big topic. And um, another side is try to understand how the particles are accelerated, because here we we study all the, the emission process, but. Is still a kind of mystery in some way, but all particles can attain this extremely high energy to emit this gamma ray. And I'm working mostly on trying to understand uh, the formation, uh, propagation of shocks in the jet that could accelerate particles. So we call that the uh, the shock diffuse acceleration. Actually, you you can have particles that bounce back and forth uh, around a strong shock in the jet, and each time they bounce they gain energy. So that, that's actually a pretty powerful uh, mechanism to accelerate particles. And uh, more specifically, I'm studying uh, what we call recollimation shocks. So if, if you look at uh, the exhaust of rockets, uh, like with all the SpaceX rockets or, or whatever, uh, you, you will see that the, the exhaust forms this kind of bubble. Uh, it's not just a straight, stream so actually it forms shocks here and it forms shocks because the the jet of this exhaust is supersonic so it's supersonic and also has a very strong difference of pressure compared to the atmosphere so once you meet these two conditions you can create a stationary powerful shocks that are usually pretty bright and you can do the same in the jets of AGM. The only difference is now you're not just moving faster than the speed of sound, you, you're still moving faster than the speed of sound, but you're also moving uh, close to the speed of light. You, uh, most of these jets are extremely relativistic. Um, they can move like around 90 percent or more than the speed of light. So you have, you have these effects uh, and I'm studying the these recollimation shocks as the zone where you can accelerate particles. And that could explain this, this high energy emission. And for this, I'm also using uh, radio data from very large baseline interferometry, which is the same technique that observed the, uh, the supermassive black holes of uh, Sagittarius star of our galaxy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a method where you have, uh, you, you can have a dozen of radio telescopes scattered uh, through one or several continents that observe the object at the same time and that simulate the size of an observatory, uh, which is the size of the baseline between this instrument. And this is the only technology we have so far that we can have enough nice resolution to really observe in accurate data what happened in the jet close to the supermassive black hole and we mm-hmm. see this kind of stationary shocks here so i'm using this observation to also constrain my models
0: so would you say that when you so when you mention modeling is that basically altering a set of parameters to then have an output that is the most similar or the most realistic that matches the observations of these telescopes
1: yeah we have we have sets of parameters so there is different version of the model you can use so you can have different version of parameters but typically you you consider I mean the simplest model is something uh, as all astronomers do uh, uh, extremely simple model a sphere just a moving sphere full of electrons and magnetic fields that moving close to the speed of light in the direction of the observer M- most of the source we observe we call that blazars. it's when the jet is pointing towards the observer and due to relativistic effect these jets are Uh, extremely luminous, so we see them extremely bright and we can study them uh, really in details. So most of the parameters will introduce the size of this emission zone, uh, the density of the particle, so as the energy of this particle, the distribution in energy of this particle, the magnetic field, and then you let everything interact and basically radiate and that will give you. uh, an output that changing these parameters, you can adjust to the data. On my side, I'm developing a model a bit more sophisticated than this, where you also consider that you have uh, the nucleus. So the accretion disk, it also emits a lot of light. There is a lot of uh, clouds, a lot of gas around, rotating around the black hole that uh, scatters the light from uh, the, the accretion disk everywhere. So if if your uh, emission zone in gamma ray is there within these clouds there are going to be a strong interaction uh, between mm-hmm. the particle of this we call that a blob that is moving in the jet and the, and the photons around that could also create high energy particles. Uh, I also consider like larger emission done like a very large synchrotron jet. so what, what I'm working on, we call that multi-zone models, where we study this interaction between different radiation fields. And if you adjust the data, then you can um, you can know or you can suggest where should be uh, the gamma ray emission zone or where particles are accelerated in the jet. There is a lot of discussion still going on. Is it uh, close to very close to the supermassive black hole? Is, is it very far away in the jet? Um, I mean, like 10 years ago, we everybody were thinking that it was like extremely close to the supermassive black hole. But more and more, we have evidence that we could actually have this very bright zone far away in the jet, especially considering this shocks in jet scenario that I'm working on. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very interesting. So just going to your uh, work with uh, gamma ray astrophysics, is that very linked with your work with AGNs? And... Is it that you use the gamma rays to then further your work on the AGNs as observations, or, or are you working on two separate things? Uh,
1: it it's both work. Uh, it was <laughs> linked and not linked actually. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I of course I try to when I'm uh, doing uh, using gamma rays mostly for for me, but I'm also taking data like every. Every year, I'm going to spend a few weeks in Arizona and taking data with this uh, huge telescope, uh, VERITAS. Just to give you an idea, uh, I try to uh, not give you good number, but if I remember correctly, the size of the the diameter of the telescope is around 15 meter, um, wow. and there is four uh, four telescopes like this. Wow. And the, the technology of this is is relatively interesting and. I, I can discuss a few minutes about it, because I think you would be interested by that. Uh, so one thing, the, the gamma ray doesn't reach the, the ground. I mean, it's, it's fortunate for us, because if it was reaching the ground, we will be all uh, radiated here. So yes. that would be pretty bad news. So you cannot detect gamma ray on the ground directly, uh, unless you're extremely high in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But the, this gamma ray of extremely high energy, when they arrive in the atmosphere, uh, they're going to interact with a particle in the atmosphere and basically disintegrate in secondary charged particles, especially gamma rays. They, they will uh, disintegrate in electron and positron pair, the antiparticle of electrons. And these particles are still extremely high energy and they're relativistic. So they're moving faster than the speed of light in the atmosphere. So you have this Mm -hmm. secondary particle that will create secondary gamma that will create another generation of secondary particles. We call that uh, a showers of particles. And these particles up to the end of the shower, when all the energy is uh, vanished in the atmosphere, they're moving faster than the speed of light in the atmosphere. Because you have an index of refraction in the atmosphere, making that the speed of light moving slower than in the vacuum. So when you move faster than the speed of light, in the medium, you have this very interesting effect uh, called Cherenkov light. It's the same effect that if you're moving faster than the speed of sound, you know you have a, you have a sonic boom following a yeah. plane, for example. So here you have a like you have a light boom, typically. So you have a coherent front of light moving with a particle, and we call that Cherenkov light. And this light, this uh, light boom, if you want, is reaching the ground. So we can observe it with very large telescope. It's extremely faint light. That's why we need super large surface uh, of of mirror to observe this. Another challenge is this light only lasts for a few nanoseconds. So you need to take a picture of it just with exposure time of few Mm nanoseconds. So the camera are just, uh, it's extremely complicated. These are phot- more particle detector or ph- photomultiplicator, uh, the name of this camera. It's a uh, it's very interesting technology. And another challenge is at least at relatively low energy in, in our instrument. We have like uh, much more cosmic rays than gamma ray, like a factor of thousand more of protons and whatever cosmic rays that arrive on the ground. So you need to clean the event on the camera just to select gamma rays. Uh, and that's, we start to have a relatively fancy algorithm and moving more and more toward uh, neural networks and uh, uh, even software developed by Google to clean the image, uh, thing like this. So uh, all mm-hmm. this technology is quite uh, quite amazing. So most, most of what I'm doing, it's for... Uh, for uh yeah blazers and quasars all the agns uh but when i'm taking data i'm taking data for the full community Mm -hmm.
0: it's really incredible how how precise these instruments have to be to be able to detect these things like a few nanoseconds is just like an incomprehensibly small amount of time (laughs) for my last question i just wanted to ask you do you think your work you're going to continue working with agns and generally in high energy astrophysics or are you are there other research researches that interest you
1: well the, for, for AGN I think so um, for, for high energy astrophysics I'm, I'm really convinced I will uh, because this this field is really large and uh, is also uh, in full expansion uh, recently uh, especially now we what we call the multi-messenger. It's where you're not just looking the electromagnetic spectrum, you're also looking other events. Like now we have more and more efficient neutrino detectors. Now we also start to observe the sky, gravitational waves. And all these, I mean, not, not all the phenomenon, but most of them are linked to gamma ray emission also, and high energy process. Like, you know, the gravitational waves are collision between black holes or neutron stars. If it's two black holes you don't really expect gamma rays but if it's black hole neutron star or true two neutron star, you expect to see gamma rays. Uh, and the same for neutrino. Neutrino are ex- extremely interesting and we start to have hints of a uh, quasars that could in- emit neutrino. Um, so I- I'm very convinced that it's going to develop much more and Actually, we're, right now, we are building the largest chunk of telescope array uh, in the world, the name is CTA. It's going to be two array of telescope in the two, two hemisphere mm-hmm. to uh, to monitor the full sky. We're going to be one array uh, in the Canary Island near Morocco and one in uh, in Chile. And this, yeah, this is in the European uh, and the US also is involved in this project. It's, it's really huge project and should uh, enter in service like you know three four years from now and uh, yeah that, that would really change our view on the high energy sky. so i have mm-hmm. pretty uh interesting future i would say maybe not me personally but the field of high energy
0: great well thank you again for speaking to me uh this was really interesting and high energy astrophysics is definitely something that appears to be
1: cutting edge thank you